VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, all right. Linda Swain in for an ailing Patty Daly. Not feeling the best today. We wish him the best and uh, hope that he'll be back in the saddle uh, tomorrow. I myself am getting over a little bit of a summer cold, if you will. Uh, it's been making the rounds, I know, because I know of quite a few people have spoken to me about it. And it's uh, it uh, results in this kind of lingering cough. Uh, a productive cough. I don't want to get into too many details about it. So I may, from time to time, uh, go silent <laughs> while I hit my uh, cough button, as it's called here in the radio business, and uh, take care of that. So if I drop out from time to time, that's what I'm doing. I'm having a coughing jag. Uh, so there you have it. Have you uh, picked up one of these summer bugs going around? Uh, give us a call. Let us know how you're dealing with with that. Um, had an opportunity to take in some of the games at the Mike Bust Classic in St. John's on the weekend. Great bit of fun. Some great baseball there. Congratulations to all who participated. Uh, the Caps did well too. Uh, so that's uh, good to hear. But uh, everyone I understand who uh, participated and um, played ball the weekend uh, had a great time. Um, baseball becoming its increasingly popular every time I watch baseball I think about you know when I was a kid everybody was playing softball um, and baseball really seems to have taken off, at least in the St. John's and Metro region anyway. Um, uh, is softball going by the way, wayside? You see a lot of uh, softball leagues still in the province, but they are mostly, um, by the looks of things anyway, I stand to be corrected, you can give me a call. Uh, they, say, they tend to be older people, <laughs> you know, adults, we'll say. Uh, I don't know if um, many kids get involved in softball these days like they used to or not anyway uh give me a call maybe it's hugely popular in some areas and not as popular in others well it's about to get um a bit it's going to be a bit of a nightmare getting in and around the city center city area for drivers over the next little while signs are up uh and um for some major construction that's about to begin. The city is lining water mains in the Churchill Park subdivision at the same time as repaving of Elizabeth Ab Avenue from Westerland Road East to Allendale Road takes place in phase one of the Shared Youth Path Project. That's expected to continue through to November. Meanwhile, the road work will affect a portion of Elizabeth Avenue this year with a portion from Western Road to Freshwater Road to take place next year. That's in addition to the ongoing construction on the new track and field facility construction work on the aqua arena all in um, uh, anticipation of the uh, canada summer games in 2025 uh, so uh, and there's um three new apartment buildings that are going in adjacent to the aqua arena so oh my goodness gracious it's going to be rough and uh, so a lot of that construction work going to be going on from about now till november or so if everything is on target there so um anyway if you have any thoughts on that or road construction in your your particular area you're certainly welcome to give us a call well last week there was a little bit of an update from the provincial government
president on uh, surgical backlogs. And as you know, it's been a real problem here in Newfoundland and Labrador, not just here, but uh, right across Canada because of staffing issues in the healthcare field. And uh, the provincial government provided a little update last week indicating that um, more and more people are um, availing of uh, knee and hip replacement surgery. And if you're awaiting knee or hip replacement surgery, you know how debilitating that can be and uh, how once you get that new joint, how, you know, freeing it can be once you're on the road to recovery. You get out around more, you're in less pain and all of those kinds of things. If you're waiting for hip or knee replacement surgery, you're uh, severely limited. Um, Anyway, uh, how is that going? I'd like to know if you have someone in your life or if you yourself have uh, recently undergone surgery in St. Anthony or elsewhere here in the province or some of the people who availed of same-day discharge surgery used to be one time you went in for a knee replacement or a hip replacement and you were there overnight at least or maybe a night or two until you were on the road to recovery and then you were sent home and then you underwent the physio and all of that good stuff Uh, but now it's being done almost as a a day surgery so um, how did that work out for you I'd like to hear from people because uh, it's one thing for government just to tell us that the numbers are coming down I'd like to hear how it's actually affecting patients how did it go I'd like to hear from you today Um, summer festival season uh, we're right in the thick of it now the temperatures are warmer (laughs) Uh, having attended uh, some of the games at the Mike Buse Classic on the weekend I can tell you they were really warm Uh, you had to try and find some shade uh, sitting there and I I really uh, pitied some of the kids out in the outfield uh, stood up there for quite some time sometimes in um, you know um, very warm temperatures with the sun beating down But it's summer festival season. Uh, Tell us about some of the summer festivals in your particular area. If somebody happens to be driving around looking for something to do, uh, give us a call and let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods. And speaking of the heat, 40 degree Humidex readings in the central Springdale area today. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't recall very many occasions where we've had 40 degree Humidex readings. And that feels ominous doesn't it it feels uh frightening newfoundland and labrador has always been known i mean labrador i know uh, gets those hot uh summer temperatures not unusual to get up into the 30s in labrador um but in newfoundland it was always kind of an anomaly and now we're having humidex readings up in the 40 degree range um i know we had a cold miserable spring here in newfoundland and labrador but when it switched buddy it switched and it was hot and I can't remember anyone having to have an air conditioner 20 years ago it was kind of a rare occasion we used to laugh you know you know if it's too warm for you just crack the window (laughs) right Uh, in fact a lot of vehicles used to be sold here not more than 20 30 years ago that never had air conditioning Um, but now you have to have it So it's just another indicator of how quickly things seem to be changing. And I mean, it's not an anomaly anymore. It's like fairly consistently over the last five years or so, we've had these really warm summers here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Very unusual for us. 
Um, any, I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. We've seen what's happening around the world um, and uh, some of the temperatures that are being recorded and these heat waves. I mean, heat waves, of we've always had heat waves, but heat waves that are extending into a week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, in some areas. Dangerously high temperatures. I mean, humankind evolved under certain temperature conditions. We're not used to stifling heat, and it's very worrisome. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go straight to the callers now. Oral is on the line. Hello, Oral. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm not a happy camper. I had a special bike robbed on me yesterday. Oh, what happened? It's worth, well, that's like... I'm taking care of a girl in the wheelchair, and I need that bike for soup macaroons and that. So I locked it up outside, and he must have did it some professionally because I, I looked out, the bike was there, and I looked back out, it was gone. So this was outside really, a grocery store or outside your home? No, outside my home with the windows open and the curtains back. In the broad of daylight? The broad of daylight. But what racks my gold is uh, I have nothing to say about the police or anything like that. It's just the way they go about things. You know, I got to go online and find my bike. Well, that's going to be too late now. They wouldn't even come over and answer the call or nothing. Um, unfortunately, I, I I hope it's not the case, but it might be just uh, too routine these days. I noticed there's a whole Facebook page now called Stolen Avalon. This is my second bike now. Someone left on my brother's property and robbed one, and now this is my second one, right? Mm-hmm. Not any old bike, see? It's a $600 CCM state-of-the-art bike, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if there's anybody out there, the Lord knows I would like for my bike to come back, or if there's anybody that can help me and get in the bike. I'm too angry to cry, so. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, so right. uh, describe the bike to us if anyone happens to see it. It's a real royal blue yeah. Uh, real nice, super blue, light blue. She's a CCM. Uh, uh, you can't miss it anyway. It sticks out, sticks out like a sore thumb. She's just beautiful all around. God love her, whoever got her by I wish she'd come home. And where was it stolen from? What general area? Uh, at Biasi Street. Or Biasi Place, like. Right. In Empire in... Avenue. Oh, okay, off at Empire Avenue there. Okay. Uh-huh. All right, so if anybody has seen your beautiful royal blue CCM bicycle, um, who should they call? Six nine. Uh, I'm sure my number is six nine six six eight six one or something like that. Uh, I'm so uh, I can't even. Uh, uh, you know, it's hard to function after someone does evil things here, right? No, I get it. Uh, okay, um, I've I've got your number here. It's coming up on my screen. So uh, yeah, it's okay. not the number that you just gave out. <laughs> oh well, I, I can't even think straight. Up. It's similar so to it. <laughs> I had, listen, I had so many things happen to me in life, but something something good got to come out of it. Yeah. So Oral, what do you use the bike for? Well, excuse me, now I'm starting to fill up. My friend here is in the wheelchair, and I used to go get groceries and stuff like that for her, right? So you need it. Yes, yes, it's a must, right, because I got COPD, eh? Yeah, so I guess you find it hard climbing those hills if you're up and around Beothic Street. you you got to do something. Oh, yeah, all the hills. I wish there was no hills there, but... 
it's just amazing how people can go out, you know, and, and you know, just to grab something that's not even theirs, right? Oral, I really appreciate your call this morning. Hopefully you get your bike back. Um, and it seems to me that, uh, you know, these kinds of thefts and petty thefts and, you know, it, it might not seem like a lot, um, but for an individual, it's everything. And this bike obviously means an awful lot to you. It's a... And she's specially made to, she doesn't have brake rubber. She has pads on her seat. Oh, wow. So it's... Like car pads on a bike, not a car. Just yeah. on a pad she had on her right? Oh, wow. You very unique bike, right? So it's not just an inconvenience to you, it's also affecting uh, people in your life. Yeah, yeah, well, now how am I going to get out to get the groceries and that for the poor girl, right? Oral, I, I appreciate your call. If anybody else wants to uh, chime in on uh, stolen goods and the like, they're welcome to give us a call. Thank you. Well, have a nice day. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Uh, yes, and if you've seen Oral's bike, uh, I, we've got his number here. You can give us a call. We're going now to uh, Betsy King, a store owner in Bellevue. Hello, Betsy. Hi. How are you, Linda? I'm good. How are you? Oh, a lot shaken up. I can relate to your first caller for sure. Uh, Saturday morning at 3.35, we had somebody break into our store. They popped a meter right off the building. Uh, we got an alarm. One of the alarms will work without power. So 16 minutes he was in my store. What, what a mess he made. He got every cent out of the ATM machine. He took all my tickets. He jumped out the window when we were there. He had to break the window to get out. He had the door broken so he couldn't get out the way he came in. I guess he went in through the door and shut the door behind him and done his professionalism. Like, I wouldn't be able to get into that ATM machine if you gave me two years. It's crazy. I don't understand. They're so good at what they do. So me and my husband, we were getting the triggers all week, like somebody was tampering with stuff. So we weren't going over because I have cameras. I just click on the camera. I say, Steve, there's nothing going on. Maybe the battery's just getting low. Didn't mean to say your name, honey. <laughs> and um, we wouldn't go over. So everything was fine. You stay up, have a cup of tea. And this time it was different. I checked the cameras and it was nothing. And I knew there was something going on. So when we got there, there was a black car across the road. I think he was bent down, so my husband got out and went over and looked, and he told us to F off. And then I say, seen the flashlight flashing out the window, and I said, oh, my God, he's still in the store. So we tried to get his license plate. There's no license plate on the back of his car. We drove up to the window. Somehow or another, I had no intentions of getting out of that car, none, but something else took over, and I ended up being on the outside of the car. Don't know how that happened. I guess you emotions. I don't know what happens, but it's not me. Like, I'm, I'm hiding away. I'm not getting hurt. <laughs> but I got out of the car, and my husband did, and he broke he broke the window before we got up to it, and uh, he jumped out the window and ran. He had the bag in his hand, and he dropped something. I chased him, and uh, when he seen that I was chasing him, he stopped trying to pick up the Gatorade. He took a red Gatorade out of my fridge along with the tickets and the money. Idiot. And, um, my husband chased the black car away. He ran in the woods. I ran in the other side of the woods. My husband wasn't gone very long because, of course, he had to come back and get me. And um, went over to my neighbors. My neighbor come over with me. So we figured it was all done. He was gone in the woods somewhere. I knew he was in the woods, of course. Two hours later, or longer, I'm not really sure of the time, he walked right past my store while I was there. Me and my son was there. Everybody else had gone home. I said, oh, my God, that's him. So we approached him. That's normally not me either. 
But I said, hey, can you stop for a second? I want to ask you a couple questions. See if you've seen anything. I said, my store was broken into this morning. He said, no. He said, I was out to a cabin. And he mentioned a name, but there's no cabin out there by that name. Bellevue is a very small place. And um, I went back. I couldn't get no cell phone service to call the cops. And he took off up through the woods, and my son chased him. I said to him, I said, I know you were in my store before he ran off. I said, you're soaking wet. You're full of mud. There's trees all over you. He never had nothing on him, so the tickets is left in Bellevue area somewhere, probably in one of the old abandoned houses or cabins or somewhere, I'm thinking. And uh, then uh, we caught him again at Bellevue Beach. He got a ride up to Bellevue Beach. Do you know who this person is? Have you seen him around? Does he belong uh, to the yeah. community? No, he don't belong to the community. He's from another community. But, yeah, Facebook is wonderful for identifying people. We got a wonderful picture of him. So I was floating around Facebook, and I got a lot of messages saying who he is. He's known to the police. And RCMP are, are investigating, I assume? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, they are. Yeah. So how much did the the culprits get away from with? They got every cent that was in the ATM machine. I know I'm covered up to $5,000. Um, I'm not really sure right now the total amount that was in it because I've been too upset to even check, do anything as you got to call everybody. This is my second bad robbery in five years, right? And what kind of store have you got? Is it like a general convenience? Yes, it is, yeah. A little bit of everything in there. Right. Right. Work hard. You work seven days a week, and he made off with more money than I make in two years. (laughs) Wow. You know, it's it's so sad. And he needs, this guy needs help. He don't need to go to prison. There's obviously something wrong with this man. Like yeah, well, you, there's that aspect of things, too, isn't there? I mean, how desperate do you have to be to do that kind of thing? Yeah, I know, hey? And they're real professionals. This guy's got talents. He should be using them somewhere where it's good, because I, I can't see how he got into my store, done that damage, got all that goods, and got out in 16 minutes. It's crazy. But we yeah. almost had him. We almost, we almost got him inside. If we had to bar the window off, he wouldn't have got out. But you're not thinking, right? You're not thinking straight everything is going so fast and crazy and you don't know if he got a gun you don't know if he got a knife i don't want to be hurt i don't want my husband hurt nobody hurt no certainly mm-hmm. well betsy uh, i'm glad to hear you're okay um sorry to hear about that i mean you don't get over that stuff very easily either do you no it's it's hard it's very hard it but the reason the main shakes reason your your sense of i don't know safety i guess yeah getting into your personal stuff and then but the reason why i'm calling is because this is I'm after hearing that he had done something in Whitburn. He got something down to the Blue Whale. So they're in the area. They're in the area. we got to be... If I had known that he was doing these two other places, because I'm sure it was him, uh, I would have been over to my store. I would have had somebody sleeping over there. Because they're in the area. They're just gone to the next community. There's another store tonight. Just watch out, guys. It hurt. Betsy uh, King, I really appreciate your call this morning. And, uh, yeah, um, store owners in the general Upper Trinity South, is that it? <laughs> um, be careful. There's um, there's a possibility that you might get uh, targeted. Absolutely. He was in my store a week and a half ago. Scoping it out. Very well. Yeah, he was Wednesday morning, around dinner time, actually. And he first thing he asked me, and my antennas went up because, you know, you did. You can tell that there's drugs involved in these people. And and he said, do you have an ATM machine? I said, uh, yep, down in the corner. 
Wow. So you pointed him at right to it. Right to it. Right to it. Because, you know, it's, I'm a store owner. I, I respect people, whether they they just come out of a ditch or if they're running for president. I treat everybody with respect and dignity. And I trust there's too many. Yeah, and that that's a, a, a side effect too, doesn't it? it? It affects your trust. I do. Yeah, it changes who you are. Wow. Betsy, I, I'm glad you told us your story, and uh, hopefully now you get that all cleaned up and mm-hmm. right as oh, right. We were open Saturday morning at 830. They're not stopping me. Good. Mm-hmm. Betsy, thanks. Okay, Linda. Thanks Alrighty. Bye-bye. Uh, We are uh, going to take a short break, and when we come back, we hope to hear from you. Uh, Lots of calls on the line uh, here, and the number's a call. And, yeah, listening to uh, Betsy King tell her story there in Bellevue and uh, the break-in at her store, uh, you know, it's happening all the time, and I'm seeing more and more posts to uh, Facebook and the like, uh, people sending um, surveillance photos of people accused of breaking into their property, whether it be a cabin or a store or whatever the case may be. And you know what's probably driving some of this is um, people, addictions um, and you know the desperation that they have in trying to um, meet uh, the needs that they have in their lives and it's just extraordinary the things that are happening out there and if anybody wants to talk about that they're certainly welcome to give us a call we're going to go now to Brenda Kitchen hello Brenda hi good morning how are you this morning I'm doing great thank you that's good what's on your mind well, um, I'm a resident of living out in Bay St. George South, and uh, I used to live in St. John's, I'd say, for about 15 years, but I moved back to the West Coast, where I grew up, because I really love nature and hiking, and many of us out here were really concerned about the wind energy deals and potentially losing access to the crown lands, and then, of course, the impact that they could have on the birds and the wildlife. So what kind of answers are you getting to those questions? Well, you know, it's really interesting, because... It does seem like, uh, well, you know, Linda, the other concern we have is that when we do try to bring up our concerns and questions is we're getting, like, delay tactics and diversion tactics and we're because we're really concerned about the speed of the project and uh, the perceived conflict of interest, which we think is what's causing us not to be getting the answers that we need. Um, so we've actually started a Facebook group called Protect Our Southwest Coast Newfoundland, And here's our immediate concerns, because we thought, you know, we're looking at all the crown lands that we could potentially be giving up, and it's already starting to happen. World Energy GH2 wants to construct five wind measurement towers to be built in moose hunting area number nine, and they want to do it before moose hunting season. And four of these wind towers will need access road built, and they're also right next to four outfitters camps. And there's been 530 moose hunting licenses issued for that area. So that is for people who are hunting for food and also the outfitting camps. So we got people who are trying to hunt for food could be immediately impacted due to this uh, proposed construction in the area and also the businesses. Because it's not just those four out- the outfitters camps directly in the area. And there's more than four outfitters camps. That's just where those wind measurement towers are going. But the other jobs that could be affected if there's no moose in the area or they're frightened away or we can't get to the area because of construction or buffer zones is the guides for the camps, mechanics, camp staff, cooks, meat processors, 
um, the local stores, people buying hardware and gas and groceries, like it could have a huge impact immediately within the next few months. And never mind the fact that, you know, there's concerns about the water and any industry happening up in the mountains. Um, I mean, we have to look at what happened in mainland. There was huge concerns with the water. Like, we're so surprised out here on the West Coast that this company is still going to have the ability to just proceed in the exploratory stage and do whatever they want. Like, no environmental assessments before these towers are constructed. My, um, everything I've read from World Energy GH2 to date, and they, they send out um, fairly regular, you know, updates on the work that they're doing there, um, they're indicating that the, the, the water problems um, encountered in the mainland area uh, uh, predated any work that they've been doing there. Well, you know, that's really interesting, Linda, because when all of this hit the scene, like earlier this year, and we saw the protesters going out in mainland to protect their water source, there was so much misinformation that I actually traveled out to mainland to see what was going on. And I spoke to the people on the ground. And before it was a protected water source, I had World Energy looking me in the eye and saying it wasn't protected. And then it wasn't too long after it was protected. And when I went out there, I was able to take pictures of World Energy with their vehicles all parked, like in a parking lot right next to the protected water zone. So where is, so that's the other thing, is that mainstream media, I'm really sorry. I'm glad the open line is there because you guys are still, you know, reporting on what's really happening. But it really seems like NTV and CBC has stepped away from any controversy or anything related to world energy. Because, like, I went out to mainland. I, I, can, I understand what was said in the media and what world energy has said in their press releases. But I was boots on the ground. And I saw what was really happening. And they were not respecting uh, the laws in place to protect that water area. So, so what water. are the specific concerns about um, the threat that you, you say is being caused to this, this water source? Well, actually, when the, my main concerns is what's happening out in the Codroy Valley. And the main concern is that World Energy GH2 wants to construct the five winter measurement towers immediately before moose hunting season. And they want to construct it in moose hunting area number nine. That's the main concern. Um, and because that's going to be happening, that could be happening as early as this month. And the people of the Codroy Valley are trying to bring their concerns up, but because of the backdoor deals and the perceived conflict of interest, it really seems like the liberals are, are sidestepping us. They're deflecting. They're not answering our questions. But we are now calling other people. We're calling members of the PC party. Uh, if Goody Hutchings is not responding to us, we're calling her counterpart, Carol Anesty. Like, there's other options that if the Liberal MHAs, Scott Reed, is not answering your questions or getting you satisfactory answers, like, why are we facing the possibility of five wind measurement towers being constructed in the Codroy Valley, moose hunting area number nine, a month before moose hunting season? That is an immediate concern that the MHA of the area should be bringing up. So you're worried that all this activity is going to disrupt the moose, obviously, and then therefore have an impact on people accessing those animals or or the economic impact of these outfitting camps. Exactly. You nailed it, Linda. You nailed it. Because five of those wind measurement towers, four of them actually need access roads to be built. 
so it's not, you know, just as simple as going in with your machines. Is they're building roads in there. And when there's constructions and roads being built, there's buffer zones. And you can't go hunting in an area that's going to have construction. Like, why is this... Or the possibility of people being on those roads. Yes, and yeah. why is this project being pushed through so fast? Like, we have... Like, all these outfitters, and again, not just the outfitters, but the meat processors, everybody that relies on this tourism industry there in the valley, they're all prepped up and sold out and ready for a season, a successful season. But now you've got World Energy GH2 pushing their mandate to be the first first in the world to deliver energy. Like, what about the residents that are living right here in the province that are going to be directly impacted within the next month if this goes ahead? Why are they rushing for the Codroy Valley site? I mean, they're still working on environmental assessments, and there should be steps, uh, checks and balances put in place to make sure that our environment is protected and the residents of the area need to come first. Brenda... Sorry, yeah. I, I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, uh, you're raising some interesting points. I'd like to hear what others have to say on it. I would love to hear what others have to say on it. They're very vocal in the Protect Our Southwest Coast Newfoundland Facebook group, so I invite people to come there. And I also uh, I would hope people would call in, and especially the fact that 71% of the Codroy Valley residents have already voted and have said no to the wind energy deals because of their concerns. The wind, the crown lands that are up for bid borders the Grand Cadre Estuary, which is a protected Ramsar site. It's protected, and it borders it. Like, is this not a concern? Like, we don't even understand why the crown lands is up for bid, considering it borders this protected area. So, yes, there are so many concerns out in the valley. I really encourage people to voice them because they're not getting satisfactory answers from the MHA, unfortunately. And uh, I, I really encourage the people, do not stop at just your MHA. Even though they have a job and a responsibility to, to do, they were elected by the people. And if the government doesn't give you satisfactory answers, there are lots of other people that you can call. Like Eddie Joyce, he's a fighter. Leela Evans, she's a fighter. And there's other politicians like Barry Penton. They can see what's happening. This is a, it's being pushed through just way too fast. Brenda, and it has implications, of course, for the entire island because we've seen uh, these um, huge tracts of land that are now open for possible wind development, and there are questions about how that's going to impact uh, those areas. So uh, it's not just your area that has concerns. It's something that affects a huge portion of the uh, island portion of the province, for sure. Uh, I appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Linda, and a huge thank you to VLCM for still letting the people speak about the real issues that's happening out here on the island. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Brenda Kitchen there on her concerns about the uh, wind energy projects in her area on the southwest coast and uh, referenced that Facebook page. Uh, Protect our southwest coast Newfoundland. Um, And, of course, wind energy going ahead in uh, quite a few areas of the province. Uh, If you have any thoughts or concerns or... uh, Uh, you want to um, agree with or counter some of the things that uh, Brenda said, by all means, do give us a call. We're up to break time. This is VOCM Open Line. Start your day off right. Get the latest updates on news, traffic, and weather conditions, plus interviews with today's newsmakers, your go-to source before you get on the go. 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays, your VOCM mornings. And we're back. We're going to go now to Robin Reed. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. 
Yeah. All right. What's Can on you your mind? It? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, just like your opinion on the recent suggestion to Justice Minister Federal, Lametti, that uh, they consider amending the criminal code to include jailing anyone who expresses uh, what's referred to as uh, residential school denialism. That is, if you merely express your opinion that the government doesn't agree with, you're liable for jail. I'm not familiar with this. Uh, who's brought that forward? Well, a number of uh, Aboriginal groups. Uh, also, some person called Kimberly Murray, a special interlocutor for uh, this Aboriginal uh, grave situation, of which there were no graves being located. But uh, what do you mean? anyone expressing an opinion of saying the residential schools did some good, that would leave you open to being charged criminally and facing a significant jail time. I wonder how you feel about that. Oh, well, what I think or what I uh, is not the, the point here. It's uh, it's uh, the callers that are bringing up the issues. I just uh, get their opinions out of them. So um, you're saying no graves were found. What are you talking about? Yeah, no graves have been found. No, no confirmed graves. None. Not one. Zero. How do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? They're, they've they've used ground penetrating. Um, yeah, they found ground uh, anomalies, right? Which could mean anything. So they just assumed well, it's in a areas grave. that were known uh, graveyards. They happen to be uh, graveyards with no well, that's not headstones. True either. That, that's not true. There have been no confirmed graves found. That's the truth of the matter. All right. Well, regardless, what's your point? Well, the point is freedom of speech. Should a Canadian go to jail if he says the residential schools did some good? That's what they're proposing. Yeah, but not all proposals make it into law. Well, but they already see... have. If you, if there's any question that you may have uh, asked uh, some certain questions about a certain historical topic, uh, you could face two years in jail just for stating your opinion that's not acceptable to the government and they're yeah, but that hasn't come into play that hasn't huh? that's not a law right now yes it is bill c-19 passed past months ago a year ago i think bill c-19 look it up if any canadian expresses an opinion that is not acceptable to the government about uh, a certain historical event then that's jail. Two years jail, plus a hefty fine. Bill C-19, look it up. So you, uh, obviously, um, not too fussy about this. Well, yes, I am fussy. I'm fussy about free speech. I don't think any Canadian should go to jail for expressing his opinion, which is what's happening. Lametti has said on this topic he will seriously consider it. That's what he's quoted as saying in the media. Of course, there's well, opinion, and then there's misinformation. Well, he's a, he's a justice minister. He's not Joe Bloggs on the street. 
He said his department is seriously looking at doing this. He's the justice minister. Yeah, but however, um, uh, and I don't know anything about this uh, because I'm not familiar with it, but um, there is a difference. There's a difference between so-called... Hang on now. There's a difference between opinion and free speech and misinformation. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. It's an opinion. Someone's got an opinion. You don't like it. You put them in jail for two years. That's Canada. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's one thing to hold an opinion. It's another thing to uh, try to bring people... free speech. Okay. You don't agree with him. He's a fool. He's, he's an idiot. But are you going to put him in jail for two years? That's what they're planning on doing. All right, Robin, we'll, we'll count you as doubtful. No, I'm not doubtful. Free speech all the way. Opinions, express your opinions, and don't accept these politicians enforcing their worldview on you. Free speech. Speak boldly. Uh, Robin, I appreciate your call. Thank you. All right, all right. We are going to go now to Dr. Janine Hubbard, clinical child psychologist. Hello. Good morning, Linda. How are you this sunny, warm morning? Oh, it's amazing how that nice weather does everybody a little bit of good. It, it may be hot, but you know what? That sunshine just cheers everyone up. It does. It it exposes a lot of dust in the house. I noticed. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> you don't tend to notice it on those dreary days, and then all of a sudden the sun is shining, and you're like, oh, my God, when was the last time I did that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but that's not why you're calling. Um, uh, towards recovery, and I know this is something that Patty Daly had been bringing up last week in the, the latest evaluation report and uh, how lacking it was in certain areas. Uh, we're looking for your opinion on that. Certainly, and my apologies to Patty, last week was a bit of a chaotic week, so I wasn't able, normally I can drop everything and find time for them, and my schedule didn't permit. So I guess we're continuing the conversation on to this week, um, because I think this is one that, you know, I have a strong attachment to. Um, actually, one of my first big government presentations was to the Towards Recovery Committee back in 2015, if you can believe it, on behalf of APNL, and talking about some of the concerns um, and gaps in services for psychologists and uh, where we saw that psychologists could be better used within the system. Um, So that was a long time ago. Um, So first thing, I want to give a major shout out and uh, kudos to the many, many, many people who were involved in all of the subcommittees uh, trying to produce this document. Um, There's no question that there was a tremendous amount of work that has gone into it. Um, And there have been some really significant victories. Um, You know, I think back to 2015 and things like the increase in the mobile crisis units, Um, things like some of the availability for short-term initiatives, for same-day services. Those are things that really uh, either didn't exist or existed in very limited use uh, back in that time, not to mention some of the online things, which, of course, you know, technology and COVID and all the rest of it has significantly um, sped up. Um, So, you know, I think it's really important to talk about the fact that there have been some major accomplishments made before kind of getting into some of the uh, criticisms. 
Well, indeed. And I've heard some people say, you know, the, the, the short-term measures and the short-term actions <laughs> appear to be there. But what about the long-term? Because that's where we're really seeing some uh, uh, failures, I suppose, in the system. Yeah, and I guess, and this is probably very naive of me, which is why I'm a psychologist, not a politician. Uh, one of the things that was remarkable about the all-party committee was it was just that. It was a collaboration from all of all sides of the House. All of the uh, political parties were involved. And in many ways, they kind of set the politics aside and said, we have a province that's really suffering. We have to address the fact that we we have some major deficits. Let's work together. Let's work really cooperatively and collaboratively together. And unfortunately, when you then get this kind of report, it takes on um, far more of, you know, kind of the political gesturing or grandstanding and as opposed to sort of saying, hey, we've done some really great things. Here are some of the things we found. Here are the accomplishments we're proud of. But you know what? Let's acknowledge that we have a long way to go in a lot of places. And we also want to be far more transparent about um, that. I mean, I think a lot of people have talked about those pages of checklists and that doesn't give me any meaningful information. Um, it doesn't tell me what it is you did to accomplish that. And, um, you know, again, can we go back to the making it more collaborative, reaching out to people. It's interesting. I know they did a lot of evaluation of services and reached out to some very targeted groups. We were one of the groups who presented way back in the day, and I can tell you, to the best of my knowledge, APNL, so all of the Psychology Association, wasn't contacted for feedback. Um, and we know that um, many of these recommendations have had a real impact on psychologists and psychology services. So what were among uh, some of the concerns that uh, your association brought forward? Well, I mean, I think there's a few things that, um, I mean, I remember raising the day the report was released and um, because there was a real emphasis and focus on wait times and wait lists. And what I wanted to see was meaningful reductions in wait times and wait lists um, because we know that in many programs and many services, they stop taking a wait list. Um, that's not a meaningful reduction in waiting times for people. Um, we'd like some information about how some of this program evaluation was done. Um, was it just people who completed programs? Was it people who were offered the programs and declined? Was it people who uh, participated briefly and then dropped out? Uh, in or I mean, psychologists tend to be kind of geeky about our research and our program evaluation. And those are really important questions that tell us so much more um, about, um, you know, what, what has been happening. Um, so knowing a bit more about that, um, it's interesting when I said, you know, even in terms of some of the details, one of the things that was in our report back in the day was um, looking at increasing uh, insurance plans, whether that was for government employees, whether that was making sure that contracts with the provincial government, uh, that those companies we're providing their employees with really solid insurance plans. Um, one of the checklists says that there are they've been working to improve um, insurance plans, but 
I haven't heard any details on that. And again, would love to hear some of the specifics as to what that's looking for, because that's one of the things we've been advocating for, for our public sector psychologists is better mental health support for our own. Um, You and I have talked about that in the past. Well, yeah. And one of the things that we've talked about at at length in the past is the Association of uh, Psychologists in Newfoundland and Labrador has been talking about this um, hemorrhaging of psychologists Mm -hmm. from the public health system. How are we doing with that? Um, I would say it's stable. But stable, and and again, this is all public sector, so education, health, and post-secondary. Um, it, the hemorrhage that uh, we saw as uh, talking to our members, a number of them pointed to some of these initiatives, some of these plans, some of the lack of consultation before implementing some of the plans as reasons why they left the public sector. Um, but certainly, um, in many places, we're still hovering around 50% vacancies. And, of course, that affects access and waiting yep. lists and the like. Absolutely. And we, again, acknowledge very openly, you know, there's been some excellent work done in terms of recruitment initiatives. There have been some issues around, like, market differential to try to address um, some of the issues for existing psychologists. Um, but I think we've got a long way to go in terms of the retention uh, initiatives. And that's, again, a message that we have heard repeatedly from our members is, and that's a much tanglier and much more complex uh, issue to try to address as opposed to a sign-on bonus. So those are, those are easier and um, more, faster to be able to deliver. Dr. Janine Hubbard, I do appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much. Well, thanks so much. And like I say, big shout out to all the people who were involved in this. I just wish maybe we could put the politics aside and have some really candid conversations about what needs to happen next and be brutally honest about it because it's only going to help um, the population of this province for us to be open and transparent and uh, work together for some solutions. Thanks very much. Thanks, Linda. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Dr. Janine Hubbard with the Association of Psychologists of Newfoundland and Labrador. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, Mark Wilson is on the line. Uh, Stay tuned for that. And we're back on VOCM Open Line. We're going now to Mark Wilson. You're on the air. Hi, Mark. Hey, Linda. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. It's going to be a hot day. Another Um, hot one? On the farm, that, you know, things are looking very dry. Uh, and this has been, you know, it's been something that we've seen over the years. Uh, us farmers uh, are observing definitely some very dry periods, whether that be in the peak of summer like it is now or in the spring. Um, so uh, I hope everybody stays safe and, uh, and um, stays out of the heat if they can. And, um, and stay smart when they're out and about, uh, not to carelessly discarding, I don't know, cigarette butts or starting fires and not putting them out and all that stuff. Absolutely. And drink lots of water. And your plants need water, too. Absolutely. There, there There's your uh, farmer PSA for the day. <laughs> so what's on your mind? I live, so I live in, on, uh, in the downtown. Um. I experienced something this weekend that I didn't, uh, wouldn't think was, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a stretch, even in our, in our neighborhood of Livingstone Longs Hill, 
we've had a number of uh, issues with, you know, violence, um, uh, drugs, poverty. Um, there are, you name it. We've, we've. I believe our neighborhood is probably one of the most difficult and complex neighborhoods in the province. Um, on the weekend, and actually it started last week, there were some individuals who decided to put up a tent. And on the weekend, what we think was happening was that they were cooking cocaine down into crack and selling it. This, this occurred right in the backyard of City Hall basically, on NL housing property. Sorry, I, I'm playing um, catch up with you it now. It took a bit of time, uh, but, but the police did go in and shut it down. Um, there were reports that allegedly there was a gun. Uh, somebody had a gun in their waistband. Um, we've, we've hit a new level here. Um, I've been calling Patty for a long time, Linda, about this, these issues in my neighborhood. And there are a number of us that are concerned and have been taking action as citizens, but there's really only so much we can do. So, and sorry, really, I'm just going to play catch up on this. Mark, can you problems. hear me? The problems are there, and we are not seeing action. This is this happened right in the right behind City Hall, and we are just not getting the action that we need to see in the city and in this province and in this country, really, for that matter. Um, Linda, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, and you've got a great show this morning. Uh, sorry to hear that you and Patty both are, you know, feeling the, uh, summer, summer sickness to some degree. Um, mental health has been referred to. We heard about the Bellevue break-in and what I heard, uh, I can't remember the caller's name, but what she said was, you know, we don't want to see this person go to jail. They need help. And this is what we're experiencing. We need to see help occur in this province. It, uh, and it strikes me, Mark, um, So just to play catch up now, because I was trying to interject there for a moment, but just to play catch up, you say a tent was actually erected and people were openly cooking crack in that tent? Yeah, sorry. I think my, I think my uh, Bluetooth, I'm not sure if you heard all that. Um, there was, yes, a tent was erected. There was like seven to ten people hanging out at times. Um, there were more at other times. People are smoking crack. People are barbecuing. People are people were um, cooking crack. Uh, as far as we know, they were cooking crack. They allegedly had a, a gun. Um, and this happened right in the backyard of City Hall. And Mark, you're, you, you've been watching municipal matters for a long time. You've uh, run uh, for municipal council a couple of times. Um, have you seen just once. anything like this? Oh, just once. Uh, you, have you seen anything like this before? It seems to me when I'm driving through the, the downtown area um, that uh, I'm seeing things that I've, I've never seen before and a, and a level of desperation among people and people who are struggling in ways that I've never seen before. Yeah, Linda, like this is what I'm hearing from a lot of people. Obviously, you know, we know that this is a global issue. The opioid epidemic is obviously, you know, it's not just us that's suffering. Um, 
mental health and addictions has been uh, something that we are not really good at in this province. We're not good at dealing with this kind of thing. Um, we're hitting a crisis. We've hit a crisis. I'm hearing from folks all over the city. Uh, what I posted on my Facebook this weekend was, you know, like we, I think we just, we need to start a nonprofit. We need to start an organization. If, if folks who, if political, if municipal, if provincial, if uh, federal leaders in this city are not going to act, then we're going to have to bring this we're going to have to highlight this and bring this to their attention a lot more. And so, you know, I think what it comes down to is, and we've been talking about this for years, but really like for, for citizens to take this on, it's a lot of work. I, you know, I alone spent hours on the weekend trying to, uh, trying to resolve this one issue. And, you know, there were other issues ongoing in the, in the neighborhood at the same time. There was a guy walking around with a shotgun, apparently, um, that uh, you know the police had to had to pull their weapons like this is crisis level linda we need something to happen we need we need the mayor to act we need the premier to act and we need our mps to step up to the plate and make something happen. And is this part of the problem, though, Mark? It seems to me that uh, um, governments are continually downloading um, the services for some very serious issues, and I'm not taking anything away for the not-for-profits. They're doing fabulous work, but they're doing work. You know, they, their mandate is, here's my mandate. It's, it's, it's limited to this. And then there's another not-for-profit. My mandate is this, and my mandate is this. Is, is it that government itself is downloading some of these services and therefore no real comprehensive action is being taken to deal with this? It's, it seems like it's kind of piecemeal. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to comment on that. I think the Food First report that recently came out talked about how we have to rethink organizations and nonprofits. And I think that was a very important uh, perspective to get out into our province because essentially when you're a nonprofit or if you're an organization and there are many organizations that are doing good things like thrive for instance has been doing incredible things in our in our neighborhood um you know uh, i live very close to choices for youth uh there's a, this is a an example of a, a supervised housing area i've never had problems with them john howard society operates uh you know these are tight ships that are operating but when you receive money from the provincial government, it makes it very difficult to advocate for change. Um, and I think that that's what the Food First report really honed in on that's important for people to understand. Uh, there is a download of, well, I mean, there's simply no action going on. Uh, like, we have been dealing with this issue at a very heightened level for over for probably about two years. Um, and just Linda, I guess to, to sort of be specific about it, um, you know, we see like essentially drug houses come up. Um, this is often organized crime that sort of just takes over a vulnerable person's house. And we've been calling on government to fix the problem. And part of that fix we think is providing supervised housing instead of putting people in housing 
that is uh, private housing operated by landlords who simply have no responsibility to these people other than to house them. Um, so, yes, I mean, there, we can't feel responsible to deal with these issues because I'm not going to go in and, and stop somebody who has a gun from selling crack. Um, the RNC are going to do that. But the 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 place the the things the supports that the wraparound supports that occur in other places that we don't have here that we don't see here need to happen and we can ask for them but we're not getting anywhere so what can organizations do i, I don't know really we need we need government we need municipal leaders we need provincial leaders including uh, the premier, and we need uh, we need our MPs to step up to the plate. Mark Wilson, I really appreciate your time this morning. Um, um, it's a it's it's a it's a growing problem. It's something that I think most people in and around the St. John's area are really starting to notice uh, in alarming ways. And the fact that a, a so-called crack tent was set up just feet from St. John's City Hall um, in the downtown area um, is. Uh, it takes it to a whole other level. I, I appreciate you bringing this up. It's mind blowing, Linda. I just want to, if I can, if you, yeah, very quickly because we're more. well overdue for news. Yeah. So in Edmonton, uh, through the dialogue of Bill C forty eight, which is the bail reform, Edmonton has basically said, "Look, you you can't do this stuff without having the wraparound supports that are needed. People cannot change. People can people remain in crisis." If they don't have uh, appropriate housing, if they don't have support for addictions, if they don't have support for mental health. So we need this to happen. It's very clear. uh, You know, if somebody wanted to get off drugs, for instance, they can't find a spot in the detox center. This has to change, Linda. I really appreciate your time, Mark. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking my call. And anyone else who wants to uh, chime in on that, by all means, do give us a call. We're overdue for news. Sorry about that, Janine. Uh, Janine. <laughs> uh, Jolene, uh, we'll be back right after this. Stay informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News talk on your VOCM. And we're back on VOCM Open Line. Linda Swain sitting in for Patty Daly, who is off today, a little under the weather. Well, uh, we just heard from Mark Wilson about um, this issue um, related to the number of people out there struggling with mental health and addictions. And we say that those words in very, you know, it's become so commonplace now, mental health and addictions, that it, it starts to lose a bit of meaning, if you know what I'm saying. But there are people out there who are struggling in very, very profound ways and you just need to walk around a bit or um, you know drive through certain areas of town and it doesn't even need to be certain areas of town you can see it all over this province sorry a little cough there um, where you see people who are profoundly struggling and for some reason it's the issue is getting worse and worse it's um, worse now than I've ever 
encountered before or seen before. Um, you see it almost on a daily basis in many areas. Um, and people who are simply not able to, uh, I guess, live independently without some kind of support. Uh, and maybe more than one kind of support. And Mark Wilson uh, mentioned then um, supervised housing because uh, a lot of people who are vulnerable, who either have mental health issues or who are struggling with addiction, and these are not things that you can just get over. These are things that require uh, comprehensive um, uh, care um, People who are dealing with these issues, living on their own with somebody, I, I imagine, just occasionally popping in on them, seeing how they're doing. And in the meantime, they're either becoming a nuisance to themselves or others, or they're becoming a danger to themselves or others, or they're attracting um, some very questionable kind of behavior uh, through no particular fault of their own, simply because they don't have the support that is needed to keep them safe. And we're seeing it, there's a, in, in a lot of people's opinion, it has become a complete uh, failure. So what are the solutions? What are the answers? How do you address these issues? And as he put it, you know, we're seeing the fallout now of the opioid crisis uh, that has affected the entire world. And how do you deal with the fallout from that? And we're just seeing the continued, uh, I guess, human cost from all of that. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on that, you're certainly welcome to give us a call. We're going to go now to Willie. You're on the air. Hello, Willie. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. I was wondering if you could explain the carbon tax and if uh, who is uh, eligible and how much and when or whatever. Oh, everybody is eligible, um, and uh, it's automatic. I think the the you're talking about the payments, the yeah. the rebates. Yeah. Um, they come four times a year. We're going to get it three times this year because, of course, it started this month, and uh, it's supposed to offset some of the added costs that you, as an individual, might uh, incur as a result of the increased. Um, taxes on uh, carbon products like fuel and home heating oil. Okay. Uh, and for individuals, um, I, I'll bring it up here. I'll see if I can find it for you. But uh, uh, for individuals, it's one cost, and for households, it's another. But it all comes out to roughly the same thing, if you know what I'm trying to say. Let me see now. Uh, are you... You're, you're single or whatever, you're living alone. And you're a senior. Yeah. Is there anything there like that I would expect to get? Uh, well, yeah, there is. You probably would have already received the so-called grocery rebate. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so you got that. Uh, your carbon tax rebate, uh, and it's different for different provinces. Here we go. For Newfoundland and Labrador, the program provides a quarterly credit of $164 for an individual. Okay. When so, did that come out, you say? Uh, it's supposed month? to be coming out, like, around now, <laughs> as far as I know. It was supposed to be mid-month. Mid-month? Yeah, and it's supposed to be automatic. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. All righty. 
You have a nice day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, that's uh, according to the government of Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, not government of Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm sorry, the Canadian government website. We're going to go now to Eddie St. Coeur, the co-chair of St. John's Pride. Hello, Eddie. Good morning, Linda. How you doing? Great. Happy Pride to you. Happy Pride. What's I'm up? i to catch up on sleep. <laughs> it's hard in this weather as well. Yeah, no, the weather's been really good, and there's just been so many events that have been going on over the over the weekend. Like yesterday, yesterday was at Harvey's on the Pier, which was a great event that Harvey's Home Heating put on for the community. The Trans Visibility March happened up the streets of, of Water Street, so we did that. There was a drag brunch that happened at, at one of the restaurants, and then we had the film screening of the Fruit Machine and the panel discussion um, from the Rainbow Veterans Association. So it's just been... It's been a very cool festival so far, and it's been a very, it's been a broad spectrum of events that have been happening, which I think that people are really appreciating. For sure. You'll have to forgive me because I've been a little bit out of the loop over the last day or two, but uh, sure. has, the, um, has the, um, uh, the fire on the beach done, been done yet? That's always yeah, a popular we, one. Yeah, we had the fire on the beach. That was one of our first events. Um, LGBTI Atlantic News put that event off last Tuesday, and we had about 100 100, 150 people come out just to light a fire and sit on the beach and and run into old friends and make some new ones. And it was a really calm, clear night, and everybody really enjoyed themselves. Certainly the weather is uh, uh, very conducive towards that. So lots more on the go, I'm sure. Yeah, a lot more. So tonight there's the the um, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color panel that the university that the students union is putting off at the university. There's also the Quadrangle Chosen Family Dinner that's happening in partnership with Tear. There's tabletop games happen, happening tomorrow. There's open mic at the Breezeway happening Wednesday. The Federation of Labor and the, and the District Labor Council is doing a film screening of the movie Pride on Thursday. And then we go into Friday with all of our weekend events, and we end with the parade on Sunday and then Pride in the Park right after the parade. And I just checked the numbers this morning. The parade's looking at we've got spaces reserved for about 2,500 people marching in groups. So that doesn't include individuals. So anybody who wants to march in the parade as an individual, they're more than welcome to come down and join us that day, and we'll, we'll, we'll find a place for you, and you can mar- march through the streets up to Bannerman Park. But we ask groups to register. We need insurance and all that kind of stuff. For sure, yeah. And I just, just checked the numbers this morning, and on the high end, we're looking at about 2,500 people, and on the conservative end of what people are estimating they're bringing, we're looking at about 1,800. So looking like it's going to be a pretty good parade on Sunday. And it's growing every year. It's growing. It is, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to start we're going to try and keep track keeping track of of numbers a little closer now so we can kind of see how that grows. But the community has been overwhelmingly supportive this year, and we're really fortunate to have that in our city. And groups have been coming out and tracking us down and finding us and going, how do I get a group in the parade and what do you need? And some group, I think there's one group that's registered with up to 100 participants that, that, that they're thinking might march with them. And, and seeing that and seeing different, different groups and organizations and businesses and non-for-profits in the city organize themselves and say no we're participating in this because it's it's fun we always have a lot of fun that day and it's really important to the community and it's really heartwarming to see all of this coming together as quickly as it has a lot of allies yeah in this and that's that's one thing that i keep telling people is in this city we have allies we absolutely do and what i've seen working with this with the city of st john's this week people who have been coming out to events and bringing their families out to events the the pride the pride flags that we've seen going up on people's houses 
we have allies in the city, and we hope that we keep seeing them, and we and we hope that we see them this weekend at the parade as well, and at Pride of the Park. That's always a really fun event. So, you know, we know that there's this dichotomy and we know that there are these uh, very troubling um, movements that are happening and fueled in large part because of social media. Um, Tell us why Pride is so important. Well, so that's the, so that's really that's a two part question, if I can. So, what we're seeing online and what we're seeing, um, you know, this hate and animosity build up in the city, is really just people trying to make a name for themselves. If you follow these people, and it's always the same people, they were the same. They go after big contentious issues that are happening locally and nationally and provincially, and we can see this kind of effort happening across the country of these people just trying to make a name for themselves. And, and what it looks like to be is they're trying to get their name out there so they can set themselves up for a political run, and they will latch on to whatever divisive topic is running through at the at the point. They were there with the Yellow Jacket movement. They were there with the trucker convoy. They were there with the anti-vaxxing and anti-mass, and now they've latched on to queer and trans rights. And I think one thing that they're learning very quickly is that in Newfoundland and Labrador, there's no space for hate. And that's been really reassuring to see from the community and as well from people from outside of our community when they're hearing about this movement, like the, the way that it gets talked down, like that's ridiculous, is really reassuring to hear when we're talking to neighbours and we're talking to friends. And, and really that's what's happening is people are trying to, to make a name for themselves and they're going after our community because we're vulnerable. But our community might be vulnerable but we're a strong tight-knit community and it's been really great to see everybody come out and on the topic of why pride events are important is, is so long as there are people showing up outside of my office building protesting against queer rights and trans rights and for people just being who they are and just trying to exist in our society that is why pride events are important and even if we finally get to a point where here in newfoundland and labrador and here in canada where we have hit equity and we have hit equality that doesn't mean that pride celebrations stop here because then we have to start looking at an outward lens because there will always be different markets and different countries and different regions where there are people like us who are facing prosecution and who are facing the death penalty and who are facing facing being ostracized completely from their community. And it's important for countries like Canada to be that beacon of hope to show that, no, this is how your society can run. This is how you can achieve equity and equality in your society. And and for, for, as, for as long as we're around, we'll continue to have these prize events so that people with, from within our community, around the, around the province, around the country, around the world, have that hope and they can see a future for themselves and they can see where their community is and start making steps to come and join us. Eddie St. Cora, really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much and uh, enjoy. I will. And if anybody's looking to get involved with the, with the festival, you can visit stjpride.ca or sign up for our newsletter. And we're sending out daily updates of what's going on. We'd love to see people out. Appreciate Thank your you, time. Linda. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we just got this update. Um, Willie was calling about the carbon tax rebate, and uh, our newsroom has received some calls about that as well. Uh, Apparently, the date for distribution is July 21st, so that should go straight into your account. Um, We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we hope to hear from you. And we're back. We're going to go now to Sid Walensky. You're on the air. Hi, Sid. Hi. Uh, <laughs> thank you for taking my call. Yeah, no trouble. I, uh, we're going to get delve back a little bit in history for myself. 
about six years ago, uh, my wife was in hospital at the, uh, Eastern Health Sciences, and uh, she was in a ward, and one of her friends brought a very old and uh, valuable poster to hang over her bed as good luck. Uh, it's been years, and I'm trying to find this person. Uh, my wife's name was Linda Wolanski, and this happened in 2018. And if the person that I'm hoping that I can contact, and I have to uh, say that my uh, seniorness is getting to my memory, <laughs> uh, that if they could contact me at... Uh, uh, 895-7383 I would really appreciate it so I can return a very valuable property So you have in your possession an old poster that was I guess donated to your wife and put up over her bed Yes And it, did it bring you the good luck that it was intended to? Uh, it certainly brought a lot of discussion unfortunately uh, my wife passed away that same year so, Oh I'm so uh, sorry to hear that she was a real fighter. Um, so I'm just trying to find that kind person that brought that poster. And I've since forgotten the name over the years. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that if they remember Linda and the person that brought the poster to the hospital, if they could contact me, I would really appreciate it. And you still have it in your possession? I certainly do. And obviously I it means a lot to you and meant a lot to the person that had it. Yes, I'm sure, and which is why I'm trying to get it returned. Uh, if I can sort of change the subject a tiny bit. Yeah. Uh, pursuant to your discussions this morning about mental health and what's going on in the province uh, in terms of uh, help groups out there and things that are going out, one of the things that we had in the we had the privilege of having done with the province was the green report that was put out a number of years ago which discussed a lot of this and how the province has um has the ability to change the course and direction of what's going on uh one of the things that's happened is that unfortunately these days uh the government has drawn back from all these organizations uh there's no core funding anymore for newfoundland and we're trying to get that turned around and some of these organizations that are out there are slowly disappearing because they can't afford to keep the doors open and it's causing a another effect on the other side of it whereas all these people in the community who are looking for support and help can't get it because people have to shut their doors because there's no funding and there's no cooperation in many uh, places and yes there's a couple of groups out there choices for youth is a wonderful group they've done a fantastic job but they've had to uh, scrape and scramble for every penny that they're using. And we hear from so, them regularly. We hear from uh, a lot of these uh, not-for-profits who, you know, for one reason or another, uh, are, are looking for added support all the time. Yeah. Yes, and, <laughs> and one of the things is that people don't realize uh, the mental health issue is a health issue concerning disability. And the government, uh, I, I can't speak for the government. I can only see some of the things that have happened lately. And that is uh, the government is in a turmoil because they're trying to throw uh, Band-Aids on the solution. And we've been given a roadmap on how to fix it. And I'm always curious, and i got to ask the government, why aren't they following the Green Report? 
Uh, an excellent question. Um, so what do you, what kind of a role do you see government playing in, in trying to address these issues? I don't think we have any um, uh, drug addiction programs, for instance, to try and uh, wean people off of drugs. It seems to be more uh, geared towards maintenance, if you know what I mean. Uh, I stand to be corrected on that. So, um, you know, what are some of the approaches that government should be taking or, or through not-for-profits be taking to help people? Uh, I can't speak to the specifics about what we should do about drug interdiction and some of the things that have worked and some of the things that haven't worked. I think a lot of that's been on the news, and uh, there's a lot of very smart people out there that understand this better than I. However, when we're talking about social networks and the uh, uh, safety nets that that governments and society put out, and we see different examples of this in other countries. I mean, as a world, we're still learning about a lot of these things, but uh, a simple place to look at is Britain. As muddled as it is, the British government supports all their NGOs, and they take the bulk of the uh, work off the government. So if the, all the NGOs were to close tomorrow and everybody were to call the government and say help, uh, the government wouldn't be able to exist. So I, I mean, that's my read on the situation. Well, point. and the same is true here. We all know that our uh, um, our community sector is is huge in Newfoundland and Labrador, and there's so many uh, services to the public that simply wouldn't be available were it not for the community sector. <laughs> this is very true. This is very true. Um, I mean, this is a topic that we could spend hours talking about and arguing on the radio with all the different participants around the uh, province. But the point, uh, the germane point is that uh, the government hasn't engaged it, as far as I'm concerned. They've put out band-aid solutions, and I applaud all the different things that they've done. However, you know, there is a roadmap out there, and I know I'm reiterating this, and I apologize, but there is a way to deal with this, and they're not doing it. Sid Wilansky, I, I really appreciate your time, and with uh, any luck, you'll be able to um, reunite that um, um, valuable poster with its uh, rightful owner. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. And everybody stay safe out there, and remember, drink plenty. It's a hot day. Drink plenty of fluids, and make sure you get in some, some shade. Correct. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, and if you have any thoughts on what he's had to say or anything else has come up on Open Line this morning, now is your chance to do it. We have a few lines open. We're going to take a short break. We hope to hear from you. Your voice in Newfoundland and Labrador's biggest conversation. If you want to know what's happening in your province, tune in to Open Line every day. Have your say weekday morning starting at 9 a.m. on Open Line with Patty Daly on your VOCM. And we're back uh, on VOCM Open Line. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly, who is off today, feeling a little under the weather in this uh, war in these warm temperatures. Hopefully, he'll be back right as rain tomorrow. Well, um, we've uh, touched on quite a few uh, topics here today, and uh, off the top of the show, I mentioned the whole uh, notion of surgical backlogs. And as you know, we had a real problem here in Newfoundland and Labrador. In fact, right across the country, for people 
uh, waiting for extended periods for uh, various types of uh, non-urgent surgery, including hip and knee replacements uh, and the like. Um, um, and we heard many, many stories in the past of people who were prepped for surgery only to have it cancelled at the last moment. Well, government took a very different kind of approach in recent years, especially post-COVID, and is now reporting some progress. Uh, they uh, issued a update on that last week. And... Um, but I'd, I'd like to hear from patients themselves uh, about how they uh, feel about some of these new approaches. Has it helped you or a family member? Um, are you one of the people who underwent surgery in St. Anthony to sort of um, get around some of the backlogs at the Health Sciences Centre, for instance, or, or elsewhere? Um, have, are you one of the patients or someone you know uh, had the um, same-day discharge surgery. One time you used to be in hospital for a day or two after certain types of surgery and now if you are an eligible candidate uh, they can do that um, and release you on the same day with you know a little bit of support at home that kind of thing. Um, how has that worked out for you? I'd like to hear what you have to say. Are you somebody who is still on the surgical wait list for uh, a procedure of some kind um, i.e. Uh, hip or knee replacement surgery and as I indicated if you're waiting on something like that um, you know that can be really disabil uh, debilitating uh, for somebody who who hasn't, um, who's not able to get around like they once used to, using stairs, for instance, or uh, walking up to the store to get your few groceries, having to rely on others to get you around if you are significantly disabled or in uh, quite a bit of pain as a result. Um, anyone who's undergone uh, serious problems with um, some of their major joints knows the pain involved in that and how debilitating it can be in, in your movements and getting around. Uh, so I'd like to hear from people on that and see what they have to say. We're going to go now to the caller on line one. Hello. 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 Hi, Alex. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good, good, good. No, you're just talking about the surgical backlog there. So I figured I'd give you a call in. You're asking for experiences. So I'd yeah. like to share mine. Yeah. So I have a I had a gallbladder issue and uh, uh, you know I've went through the family doctor and got the referrals done and uh, got the, uh, the the ultrasounds done and it was confirmed that I needed to have my gallbladder removed I was having some issues and um, I went to had a surgical appointment uh, the letter came in probably November and said that you have a appointment in March. I was like, oh, my God, that's a wall. That's just to see the surgeon. Right. Uh, so I met with the surgeon, you know, six months after. And uh, she tells me, she goes, yeah, it's confirmed. Like, you need your sur you need your, uh, you need your gallbladder taken out. And uh, it's, it's quite serious. However, there's an 18-month wait list. Wow. Yeah. And she said they do probably four or five gallbladders a day. It's very popular surgery, of course. But... Uh, you know, I I, mean, I was in pain, and uh, the, they don't really give you any prescription. It's just over-the-counter medication, a bit of uh, Buscapan or something they give you. So it really it wasn't helping. So anyway, uh, I have a friend in the uh, healthcare system, and he said, well, why don't you try, like, Carbonair or like, Grandpa's Windsor or something like this? And I was like, 
you know, him and Han about it. And then I thought about it. I said, well, don't need day surgery regardless. Um, so uh, I called I called the St. John's surgeon and surgery, surgical office, and I said, can I get my referral sent to Carbonier? And uh, they said, yeah, no problem. And I said, well, first I said, can I get it sent to Carbonier? And I said, also do Grand Falls and also do wherever, you know? Wherever it's available, yeah. Yeah, wherever there's a surgeon, right? And they said, no, we can only do one referral. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I said, send it to Carbonair. It's the closest to me. Uh, and I had my surgery within a month after that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. They called me and they said, uh, you know, they called me and they said, yeah, we got your referral. And they said, why don't you come out uh, in about a, probably, it was probably two months. They said, why don't you come out in two months and meet the surgeon? And then I met with the surgeon out there. And uh, he called me the same day after I left. He said, all right, good to meet you. He said, I'll book you in for next Thursday. Amazing. Otherwise, you would have yeah. had to wait uh, for almost two years. Yeah, and, I, and I've been telling, and I think what the public has to realize is that these are surgeons who went to the same medical school and they have the same procedures and the same operating equipment as someone in St. John's. I think there's sometimes a bit of a, oh, well, if it's not in St. John's, I'm not getting it done type of attitude. Um, but I've been telling everybody, like, if you need surgery, ask your if you're, you know, just check out the wait lists around the province. And, you know, it's it's literally a phone call. Like, the surgeon you meet with in St. John's gives you their number, and you can literally just call them and say, hey, can I get this transferred somewhere else? And, you know, it may not be two months. It may be six months, but it's better than 18 months, right? For so. sure, yeah. So uh, did you have any issues then driving out there and getting it done and then being driven back? Well, yeah, you do need uh, you do need a day surgery, right? So as you mentioned in your little preamble there about it, like they do expect you, you know, you're in and out. They do expect you to have some support. Um, and especially where it's... Uh, you're under anesthetic. You're not allowed to drive for X number of hours afterwards. So in terms of issues, no, my, you know, my fiance, she took the day off and she drove me out or I probably drove out. I can't remember now, but she definitely had to drive back. And then they just give you some, um, you know, very detailed instructions. And then I think they rely on the community health nurses quite a bit as well for dressing changes. And that's all taken care of. I left the hospital and Carbonero's home, and probably I was home probably four hours, and I get a call from the community health nurse and say, hey, we had a, you know, X, X, XYZ surgeon contacted us and said that you had just had surgery. We'll be by tomorrow for a dressing change. So oh, wow. Flawless. Yeah. So how was your recovery? Excellent. They did a fantastic job, and I, uh, I definitely needed it done. I never had no any issues since, so it was, everything worked well. And I must say, Carbonair is, uh, it must have just got renovated because it's one of the best, be- most beautiful waiting rooms and surgery units I've seen in a while. But So it's a, it's a beautiful hotel, and I encourage people that, uh, you know, there's many different surgeons in this province and talent spread out geographically. So, you know, don't be afraid to hop in the car. And if you can, just, just consider elsewhere. Because we were going to... I was going to go as far as Cornerbrook, to be honest with you, if I could get a ton. Because so. it was pestering you that much. Yeah. Yeah. So it was quite a nuisance, and uh, like I said, it's, uh, and after mentioning to a few people, they didn't realize that they could do that. They thought that wherever the referral was sent, that's where they had to go, and that's just not true. Well, Alex, that's a real eye-opener. I really appreciate your time this morning. 
Not, not a problem, Linda. You have a great day now. And I'm glad you're feeling much better. Thank you. Thank See you. Later. All right. Bye-bye. We're going to take a very short break, and when we come back, we hope to hear from you. What do you think of what Alex had to say? Give us a call. And we're back, and we're going to go now to uh, Rosalind Walter. You're on the air. Oh, good morning, Linda. Good morning, Rosalind. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> no, what? But right off the top, when I mentioned summer festival season and uh, asking people to call in about the summer festivals in their area, you wouldn't believe it, but I was thinking about you. God bless you, for sure. I was thinking about you, but you know what? Something else, too, mate. I miss you terrible. Because you used to be on from one to two every day. Is that right? Yeah. Now we're on to four, and you're on with somebody else, and I, I, I never get around to uh, listening, but I really miss you, to tell you the truth. But I enjoy when you're on with Patty as well. And yeah, yes, mate, our festival is Saturday, believe it or not. So and, what do you got uh, going on? Uh, well, they got a they got a good lineup there. They got um, uh, Shani Ganuk and the Ennis Sisters, Bud Davish, and uh, I know there's another band I can't even remember. But uh, we got some local talent, including our own Jason Ryan, and it's going to be good. And not only that, but we got uh, breakfast uh, on Sunday at the Knights of Columbus. So anybody wants to drink her up, and I don't think the breakfast starts till eleven. But in the meantime, uh, the, the latest festival in Kingscombe is going to be Saturday, the 22nd, and looking for a good crowd as usual. Tickets will be at the door for $60, which is not bad. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody. Hopefully you could get down to Linda. <laughs> uh, do you get a good uh, response to the Kingscombe Lighthouse Festival? Oh, we, are, we are always really, really good, I must say. Yeah. Big crowd, nice to them in the you know in the baseball field up there. We got a good uh, 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 food truck that's you know that comes by and everything. Yeah, everything works out fine. Number one, last year we had a thunder, a little not big, a little thunderstorm right in the middle <laughs> of the with rain. But anyhow, nobody, everybody stayed and everything went perfect. Yes, a little bit of excitement. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you got some big names coming out. Shani Ganuck and the sisters, Bud Davidge. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, now this is another band that I, I, I can't even remember the name, to tell you the truth. I never copied it down here, but there's a guy that is a local, and he plays in some of the uh, bars and hotels around here. He's pretty good. And Jason Rye, now he's, to tell you the truth, he's our pharmacist in Bonavista, <laughs> and he's really, really good. I think he got a band of his own, but I think he might be singing local up here, which is he's really good, I must say. And, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for the time to come now to get up there and sell a few liquor tickets and whatever. There's always a theme with you, Rosalind. Pardon me? <laughs> There's always a theme with you. Yes, yes. You're yeah. very much into people having a good time. Oh, for sure, for sure. And especially out of that town, I mean, tell you the God's truth, most people here now are seniors. There's, you know, there's not too many, there's one, we just had a, a funeral a week now for one of our uh, long-time firefighters, tell you the truth. And uh, he just passed away. And, uh, you know, and every other day there's somebody going. Like, I mean, he was like, he's not old. He was only 72 that passed away. But anyhow, then that was a big thing. We had a big funeral for him. He got a good send-off. And that was uh, Gerald Barron, which was nice. You know, nice send-off for him. Crowds of people. But anyhow, yes, mate, we'll have, a, we'll have a good time on Saturday night for sure. And hopefully the weather stays the same. I know it's hot, but Linda, let me tell you, I don't complain. 
because I'd rather see this than see smoke and flames. No, indeed, yes. Thank God, we don't have nothing like that around here and, you know, in this area right now, mate. No, fingers crossed uh, we managed Proper to. But night, yes. It, it and seems... how are you doing yourself? Oh, good, good. Uh, just getting over a little bit of a summer whatever. <laughs> yes, I know. Flu or whatever you want to call it, yeah. but uh, yeah. other than that, all good. Oh, wonderful. So nice to hear you, my God. I, I said I never get the chance to listen to you, and then you have somebody else working with you sort of thing. Never gets a chance to uh, turn you on at 4, four o'clock. So, right on. Oh, but now I, from 1 to 2, I was from from Patty from 9 o'clock right to 2. My um, uh, community channel is on. That's the only thing because I don't even get the radio here, but the community channel in Kingscombe. Yeah. Listen every single day. Yeah. Relentless. Well, God love you. Rosalind, try to... My darling, you take care, and if you anybody there, I was talking to Patty earlier and hoping that he would get down, but uh, probably he's not feeling that good. I know the, the weather, the heat, and that takes effect to some people really bad. For sure, yeah. Uh, like I always said, I'd rather see the heat and the humidity even than see smoke and fire and whatever. Yeah, for sure. Rosalind, yeah, darling, I appreciate you taking my car. God bless. And uh, I look forward to listening to you whenever I get stranded on 4 o'clock. But I wish you were back on 1 to 2. Right on. Well, I'll be on today, 4 o'clock. So tune okay, in then. Very good, my darling. All thanks right. And thanks a million for taking my call. Thank you. Okay, All the best. Talk to you after. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Rosalind Walter. The Kings Cove Lighthouse Festival taking place this uh, Saturday, July 22nd in beautiful Kings Cove, the Athens of the North on the Bonavista Peninsula. A lot of entertainment there. Shani Ganuk and the sisters, Bud Davidge. Well, why wouldn't you go? We're going to go now to uh, Eugene. He's on the air. Hi, Eugene. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, the reason for the call is um, to voice my opinion on the health care system. All right. Uh, three years ago, I was um, I took a GI bleed, and um, so they rushed me to the health science complex, and they done the uh, the scope and clamped it off. And then they put me into the special care unit. So I was in there for 10 days. So after the 10 days, they discharged me. And I went home for a week or two. And um, I had to go back to the hospital again. So lucky for me, I went back to the health science. And they gave me a no fault of their own. It was a fluid overload. A fluid overload? What does that mean? Uh, basically, it's um, part of your heart. It's not working right. That the, when the blood comes into the heart, it goes, comes in and goes to your lungs. Well, the blood was coming in, but there was more coming in than what was going out. Oh, dear. That sounds like a medical emergency. Oh, it was. <laughs> so that was all right. The uh, diagnosed me as um, heart failure. And when they done more tests, they found out I had uh, congestive kidney failure, liver failure, and lung failure as well. Oh, my goodness. So you were I, crashing. 
yet in 125 pounds of fluid on it. 125? Yeah. Oh, my word. So thank goodness you got the medical treatment that you needed. And uh, so I was in hospital for three and a half months. Um, Dr. Connors came in and he said, if I don't have the open heart surgery, you're going to live for two months. If you do have the open heart surgery, there's no guarantees. Very comforting words. Well, for sure. So how are you doing? So right now, been almost three years now, I'm almost fully recovered. I mean, I go back to see the Heart Australia Clinic every every month, and my creatinine, which is the harder the creatinine is in your body, the less function you got in your liver or in your kidneys, I should say. So my creatinine now is down to 160, 170, which is roughly 60% of my kidneys that is working. And they consider that good considering what I went through. Yeah, where you were were at one time, yeah. So uh, right now I'm dealing with the walking issue. And the doctor said it could take up to five years for me to get my full mobility back in my legs and walking. Right. Because I, I can walk, but I'm very unstable and, well, I fell down twice. So. Oh, yeah, you got to watch that. Yes. But uh, there's a big shout out to the Health Science Complex uh, here in the city that I, I guess only a few people went through what I went through and the service that I got because you got to realize we had to snow again during that too. Wow. And then and then you had to deal with COVID afterwards, the, that whole yes. process. Yeah. And, but uh, lucky for me, we had special approval from the healthcare uh hospital that my wife could come anytime to see me because she didn't know I was going to live from one day to the next. Wow. What an ordeal. Because, uh, I um, I was supposed to go for a surgery on a Tuesday and my leg was being infected big time. Blisters and everything like that. So um Saturday, I fell asleep and never woke up no more to Monday. Uh, they told me that the infection went right through my body. Oh my goodness gracious! So you are a a medical miracle. You've you've bounced back from all of that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Eugene, right. I'm I'm so pleased that you were able to give us a call today. Not a problem. And there's a big shout out to. The team on five South B because they they went over and beyond. I mean, I know new, I know the healthcare system gets a bad rep, 
and I know the healthcare system in some areas is not the greatest, but I can't say that by health science. Well, Eugene, again, I'm so pleased you're able to give us a call, and I, I uh, wish you all the best in your continued recovery. Sounds like you're doing grand. Uh, yeah, I am, actually. Well, thank you for calling us. Thank you. You're certainly welcome, and you have a great day. You and too. Faith, faith. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, that is Eugene telling us about his extraordinary uh, medical, I guess, recovery. Um, if you have any thoughts on the healthcare system, you're certainly welcome to give us a call, including the whole idea of uh, surgical backlogs and uh, improvements being made to try and uh, cut back some of those wait times. Um, give us a call. Join Greg Smith weeknights at 545 as he chats with local musicians about life, inspiration shows, and new music. Tune into Soundcheck, your backstage pass to the local music scene on your VOCM. And we're back on VOCM Open Line. Linda Swain in for Patty Daly today. Uh, Rosalind Walter was on about um, the Kings Cove Lighthouse Festival and... Just up the road a bit, of course, is Clarenville. It's one of the service centers for the entire Bonavista Peninsula region. And uh, they've got some pretty special events underway. Brandon Reardon is the recreation director with the town of Clarenville. And these are Clarenville days. Hi, Brandon. Good morning from Clarenville. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So it's it started. You're there. These are Clarenville mm-hmm. yeah. days. Yeah, we, we got our festival underway yesterday, so we're in day two of our Clarenville days, and uh, we're really excited. We've got, looks like to be great weather all week. Um, so yeah, lots of things happening for, for our residents here in Clarenville. So for anybody who's traveling the area and uh, wants to pop in, what have you got on tap for today? So today we've got, uh, we're, we have a golf tournament with the mayor. Um, there's yoga at 7 o'clock this evening, and there's also some bingo at the Canadian Legion. Um, then I, I'll just lead on into the next uh, few days, if that's okay. Um, on Tuesday, it's a big day for us. Uh, we've got some guitar lessons, a pet show at the SPCA, and, of course, our, our brand-new big event called On the Rocks Music Festival. Really, really super excited for this event. Uh, begins at 5 o'clock. It runs until 11 p.m. at Elizabeth Swan Park. All ages are welcome. Um, you can still get your tickets at clarenville.ca. We've got a great lineup of entertainment and food vendors and lawn games, and uh, it's going to be a great event. So we encourage everybody to pick up your tickets for that event. Um, then on Wednesday, of course, is, is a big day. It's Clarenville Day. It's our civic holiday. So we've we've got a jam-packed schedule right from 8 o'clock in the morning up until fireworks at dusk. Uh, some of the events will include our, our traditional pancake breakfast at the, the fire hall. Uh, we've got a brand-new youth floor hockey tournament happening. Um, our family day concessions at Elizabeth Swan Park, which will include a bunch of craft and food vendors, bouncy castles, live music, Rotary's famous moose burgers, and, and a whole lot more. Um, also on Wednesday, we've got the Lions Club hosting their traditional fish and brews lunch at 12 o'clock. We do a huge giant community barbecue at 430 at the fire hall. And of course, as I mentioned, our fireworks over the waterfront at dusk. Um, moving into Thursday, we've got a brand new event called Camp Out at the Park. So this is a, a nice event for families. Um, we have our traditional Arts Under the Stars concert. And there's some live entertainment at both the Hub and Westside Charlie's. And then moving into Friday, continue with live entertainment at Westside Charlie's. There's a paint night with Kayleigh Fitzgerald. 
Um, moving right along to Saturday, there's a guided hike of a rotary trail um, poker tournament at the hub. Uh, and of course, there's a, there's a variety of other things happening. I'm just going to touch on a few things. We encourage everyone to check out our full schedule, which is clarenville.ca. Uh, but then on our final day, day eight of the Clarenville Days Festival on Sunday, we have a family excursion with Arrow Addiction at White Hills, a teddy bear picnic at Elizabeth Swan Park, a seniors dance at the Lions Club. And one note to make on our schedule, um, we have unfortunately made the decision to cancel our community bonfire simply due to the, the extremely high fire index. We don't feel that is a good idea at this time. Um, and that kind of rounds out our, our festival schedule for the week. Um, I would like to remind everybody to grab your Clarenville Days buttons for just two bucks, and you'll enter to win a, a, a bunch of great prizes. So there you have it. I'm intrigued, um, Brandon, about some of these events. Uh, you mentioned yeah. uh, a poker tournament, uh, golf with the mayor. There's a crochet workshop. There's uh, guitar lessons. This is a really broad variety of activities. How did how did it get put together? Well, we've been working on it for, for months. Um, I, I tip a cap to my community recreation coordinator, Taylor Hollihan, who's put a, a lot of work into this over the last few months. Uh, we have uh, basically our schedule is developed from our Recreation Community Development Committee, and we've got a, lot, a long list of volunteers, of course, to help us pull all these events off. So it's been a long time putting it all together, but we're excited for it finally to be here. And uh, do you are you aware of people like you know changing their calendars around and making sure that they got their time off during Clarenville days? Yeah, absolutely. It's a long-standing tradition here in Clarenville that Wednesday, the third Wednesday in July, is always our civic holiday. Uh, so that's the reason why we're doing our music festival the night before on what we call Clarenville Day Eve Tuesday, uh, and we anticipate uh, a large large crowds of, of people on Tuesday and Wednesday uh, leading into Clarenville Day for sure. So it's a great time of entertainment and uh, recreation, but uh, a busy time for you. Absolutely, it is. We wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. <laughs> so when do you get your break? Uh, i got a vacation coming up in just a couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that, but uh, can't look too far ahead right yet. No, indeed. You've got work to do. Um, Brandon, really appreciate this, and all the best in Clarenville days. I appreciate it very much. Thank have you. Nice Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, wow, they've got a lot on the go uh, from food and music, which is, you know, that's standard, isn't it, here in Newfoundland and Labrador? Uh, but all these uh, really different type of uh, recreational events. It's great to see, and uh, congratulations to them all. We're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we hope to speak with you. What's going on in your community? You're welcome to give us a call on that. We've been talking a little bit about surgical wait times, and we've been talking about, um, you know, s increased property crime and those kinds of things in some areas. Whatever's on your mind, give us a call. Here are the numbers to do so. And we're back on this uh, steamy, hot day, right? Sultry, as the old people used to say. Um, it, and we have some lines open, so now is your chance to give us a call. And, of course, it, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that this is the municipal holiday in Grand Falls, Windsor, as part of the annual Exploits Valley Salmon Festival. And they have a special family day event today at the Shenandoah Centennial Park from 
from 1 to 4 p.m. Admission there is free, but they are warning people because of the heat and warm temperatures uh, to make sure that people are wearing their sunscreen, that you have a hat, and they will be providing water and freezies and other treats to keep you uh, safe and hydrated and cooled off and all that good stuff. Um, so um, be aware of that. In fact, we're going to hear more about it from Mayor Barry Manuel right now. Hello. Hello, Linda. How are you? Good. Happy Exploits Valley Salmon Festival time. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a, been a whirlwind weekend for sure. We've had a great time out here. The weather, as you know, is fantastic, and uh, everybody's really been enjoying themselves. So we have our family day today, of course, on the field, as you know. Uh, with the Irish Descendants playing, and we had a free concert Friday night with the Anna Sisters, and uh, everything's just been going so well. Not only the weather, but everybody is uh, enjoying, and really that's what it's all about. Now, as I just indicated, um, the, the weather, you know, while it's good, it's it does cause a bit of concern because there are concerns about heat stroke or sunstroke or whatever the case may be. So I understand that you've taken that into consideration? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we always want to make sure that safety is paramount, but also when we're looking at temperatures that are well into the 30s with the Humidex, we had to have uh, ample water on hand, and also we've got free water stations around at the arenas and that where there's uh, events, and uh, St. John Ambulance are on hand. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of volunteers there that are, uh, I guess, you know, ready for whatever was to happen, and uh, we never want anything to happen, but preparedness is important, and uh, you know, I think we uh, did a good job at that. Staff uh, certainly made sure that we're well equipped. For sure. So you're going to have lots of um, cool treats and water and all the like. Yes, you know, all the, those things. And, uh, of course, there's the other treats as well that people have been enjoying over the weekend. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's just great to see such an accessible festival. You know, we've talked a lot about... Um, not only having a salmon festival, which is community, and having uh, Newfoundland and Labrador musicians take part, but also accessible. So, you know, like I said, the Inner Sisters was a free concert. The Irish Descendants today, Family Day is free. We had Adventure Day at Gorge Park where there was canoeing and kayaking. The Salmon Ladder was open house yesterday as well. So a lot of people are able to take part, not only in our own community, but people who have come in and joined us from outside the community as well, so it's been really great. Big turnouts? Oh, yeah. I mean, every event has been a uh, large turnout. As some of the events that we had, like the Around the World Food Date on um, Saturday and also the uh, con or the um, Salmon Dinner, the Pub Crawl, those were all completely sold out. And all the free events as well. There's huge crowds, hundreds, and uh, in some cases on the fields and that Today, you'll look at thousands even, so uh, big crowds and, uh, as I said, great time had by all, and we're pleased to see that everything has gone smoothly and uh, look forward to continuing with this format in the future. Lots more on the go? Yeah, there's a comedy night tonight after the family day today that'll pretty much round out the end of our Salmon Festival weekend. Grand Falls Windsor Day is today, of course, a municipal holiday, uh, and after that, it's back to work for everybody, so, you know, it's... Uh, been a great weekend and again just thanks to everybody i guess who played a part in organizing things uh, staff and people who participated uh, couldn't have went off really any better do you miss the big concerts though or or are you glad to see them gone 
Well, I guess it's mixed, mixed feelings on those. Of course, you know, times have changed when it comes to the big concerts. Uh, I think Salmon Festival over the course of 35, 40 years now has really uh, seen its peaks and valleys and that's changed itself and uh, we're really comfortable where we are now. No doubt it was always always exciting to have those world-class acts, but at the same time, as we all know, there was a, an amount of risk with that that really, uh, as a municipal government, we didn't want to be taken on and uh, we're really happy to be able to budget our $50,000 each year for our festival and uh, be able to encourage all our citizens to come out and enjoy and people from all over to uh, we welcome them celebrate with us sort of back to its roots so to speak exactly anything else on the go in grand falls windsor this is construction season of course anything major happening not really you got a little bit of road work around of course we got a couple of bigger infrastructure projects within town but you know overall it's uh, going to be a continued busy summer for us you know it's not only our salmon festival we had a poutine atv festival in june we've got a, our culinary food festival that we have in august which brings in some of the top chefs from across canada uh, we've got our craft beer festival uh, there's a rib fest going to be coming up so all kinds of things to do. We've got zip lining available here in Grand Falls, Windsor now too, along with the whitewater rafting. So great place to come if you're adventurous. And uh, we'd love to see uh, all our friends come to visit us this summer. Lots to do. Ooh, zip lining. What's that over? Like, is it over the river or? It's over the river. Yeah, you zigzag across uh, the Exploits River over the gorge. And, you know, it just uh, opened up now this year and, it's going to be phased in. It's a private uh, business, but it's being phased in so that there's going to be 10 towers at the end of uh, phase three, which will be in a couple of years. And you'll be able to zigzag down the gorge there, uh, spectacular views, as you know. And we're excited that we're able to have that uh, to offer our, our friends a visit. Is that drawing a lot of interest? Yeah, there's uh, been a lot of talk about it, of course, and uh, just being new, um, you know, I think it's taken a little bit of time to get the word out, but as you know, uh, something like that is a draw in itself, so I expect it's only going to get more popular in the future, and again, that that view, uh, looking down the gorge and the Exploits River is spectacular, so uh, for those who are adventurous and you uh, don't mind the to strap that uh, thing on there and go across the river uh, above high heights. It's a great uh, life, lifetime experience for sure. Would you try it? I uh, haven't yet. Uh, I may. I may. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the mood on the day, I suppose. That's right. Yeah, for sure. And I don't want to read too much into it, but your voice sounds a little more, you know, deeper and hoarser. Did you have a good weekend? <laughs> oh, I had a great weekend. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was, uh, you know, a lot of things going on. Really, I took part in uh, just about everything that we could. Um, and, you know, a lot of speaking, a lot of uh, talking and a uh, little bit of singing and lots oh, of enjoyment. So I had is a good that weekend. right? A little bit of karaoke? Yeah. Uh, no, no, not that. I wouldn't go that far, no. I only try to blend in with a crowd. <laughs> Very good. Well, Barry, really appreciate your time this morning. All the best, and uh, uh, so glad to hear that the uh, Exploits Valley Salmon Festival, what year is it now, 30? Oh, I think it's around 35 or 36. 30, I don't even know. Yeah, we had a, I was, COVID really threw a wrench into things. But I know. I was going to say 35, know, uh, and then I second-guessed myself. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. you know, we're going into four decades now. It's just incredible when you think about it. 
Absolutely. And Linda, I'd like to thank our uh, major sponsor, Kelly Ford, as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't do that. They've been on board with us now for a number of years. And all our sponsors, uh, really, without them, we wouldn't be able to do uh, everything that we've been able to. And we really want to thank Kelly Ford for that. Grand Falls Windsor Mayor uh, Barry Manuel, all the best and all the best on Family Day today down in Shenandoah Park. Thank you. Appreciate it, Linda. All righty. Bye-bye. That is the mayor of Grand Falls, Windsor. Yeah, the Exploits Valley Salmon Festival. Kelly Ford Exploits Valley Salmon Festival, I should say, um, underway. And uh, obviously lots and lots of activities there. And uh, I've participated in a few Exploits Valley Salmon Festivals in the past, (laughs) in the distant past, I suppose. When I was uh, living in Gander, it was a regular uh, commute to go out there and enjoy all that during the summer months. Um, When... uh, uh, that was before or when they were just getting started with the big big concerts remember that uh and um of course we saw where all that went in over the years uh, some really uh huge events um but of course the town uh, finally decided that that was probably a risk that they uh, were no longer willing to make anyway anybody with any thoughts on um summer festivals in their area anything else on the go now is your chance to give us a call we have a few lines open. Lots of road construction work in and around not only the metro area, but right across the province. Uh, every major mun- municipality now um, trying to get all that work done while the weather cooperates. Uh, so uh, any issues in your area, you're welcome to give us a call on that as well. We're going to go to news time now with Jolene Grimes. This is VOCM Open Line. And now is your chance to give us a call into the last half hour of the program. Get lost in the music of legendary artists like Elton John, The Beatles, and more. Join Claudette Barnes every Sunday from 12 to 1 p.m. and relive fond memories through the power of music with Sunday Melodies on your VOCM. 27 degrees, says uh, Jolene Grimes there in the uh, capital city right now. I hope if you are outdoors or expected to go outdoors in the next little while, you got a hat on your head and you are wearing your sunscreen uh, because melanoma is a very serious issue a highly deadly form of cancer so please take precautions and cover yourself up I know all too well about uh, the scourge that is melanoma Um, in the meantime uh, stay hydrated and uh, hopefully wherever you happen to be you are have access to some shade and you have access to uh, a fan or some air conditioning or whatever the the like, uh, so that you can... um be comfortable um, and you know we do like to see warm temperatures from time to time but when it's uh, for an extended period of time like we've seen in some areas of the world uh, right now uh, especially areas that are already struggling with things like population or access to water and all those things it becomes uh, highly uh, concerning so if you uh, have any thoughts on that you're certainly welcome to give us a call Dave are we good to go here looking for a little instruction Instruction. I am going to go to the caller on line one. He's not responding. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what? 
Oh, sorry. No, uh, I've been told. No, it's all good. That's uh, that was a mistake on my part. Sorry about that. Um, and so uh, we are going to go now to the uh, councillor or the council lead for infrastructure in the city of St. John's, uh, Councillor Sandy Hickman. Hello. How are you? Good. I'm sitting outside talking to you now. So oh, excellent. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. Um, nice change from the temperatures we had in June, yeah. for sure. This is summer now. Yeah, so finally. That um, makes me just busy out in the streets. Exactly. And you and I chatted about this last week, and uh, you were telling me about yeah. some of the, um, uh, well, large amount of work that's about to go uh, get underway. Has it started yet up in Elizabeth Avenue area? Just preliminary markings, it appears at this point. But, yeah, it's imminent. It's going to be starting up right now. So, uh, you know, the city will, of course, make sure traffic keeps moving. But, uh, you know, it'll just be one lane here and there. And at different times, it'll have different uh, configurations. But just to let people know that this work is underway and that it's going to be great when it's done, but uh, a little bit of a disruption. But we will keep traffic flowing. Right. So uh, tell us a little bit about the extent of the work that's uh, about to get underway. Well, along Elizabeth Avenue, there'll be two sections, one this year, one next year. This year, it'll be from Allendale Road west to Westerland. And next year, Westerland uh, to Peyton, uh, and then on to Freshwater. So, what will the road is in bad shape? People, people may have noticed uh, a lot of patchwork over the years. Uh, everything seems to be in shape underground, pipes and everything. So, they're basically going to tear the road up and repave it, uh, do some curbing, uh, try and clean up a few intersections, add add a couple of crosswalks, and uh, do a sort of traffic light which is mostly for pedestrians uh, at the end of Whiteaway. A lot of students walk down through Whiteaway up and right up into the campus. So that's important. And But the most important thing and wonderful thing is a shared use, use plan, a path, sorry, um, along Elizabeth, for which means basically a wider paved, asphalt paved sidewalk on the north side uh, that will give space then for walkers and cyclists etc so that's what we're excited about and uh, we'll have all this work working uh, this summer starting now it'll probably take it pretty well to november so uh, we're into mid-july now why why only starting now instead of earlier in the season uh apparently a couple of reasons uh, i guess planning wasn't quite done yet uh getting um uh, other work done. I mean, we have our usual roads maintenance projects, uh, repaving projects, and scratch and patch, etc. That they're tendered earlier on, usually April, for May start, and of course that goes on all over the city as well. And we have other projects, so it just took that long to get done. But the point is to get it done in one season for sure. Like whether it's uh, May to August or July to October or November, that's really not. It's going to impact people any time of year. So uh, it, the construction companies have their problems, like every other industry does, in keeping staff and and keeping things going. So I think it's probably better for them as well that they get started on some of the stuff, other projects earlier on, and they can do this a bit later. That's just conjecture on my part, but uh, that I think is part of it. Uh, you know, it's the same three or four companies have been on all the, uh, the, the projects, and uh, they can only do so much, I would think. 
they got to juggle it all. Um, so they do a lot of work out there. It, it's taking us through to November, and of course, some Memorial University in around that very area. Is that going to cause yeah. some big problems? I wouldn't say big problems, but you know, there's access through Prince Philip Parkway to the entire campus. You know, and that's going to be key. That uh, that keeps clear, which it will be, and. Uh, I think they'll be fine. That people will adjust. Uh, you know, if you if you want access to the, the Arch of the Min building, uh, you know, you can have it. You'll just have a little slower drive. And this is going to coincide with a bunch of other construction projects that are underway in the area. Well, yes, absolutely, and it's all exciting stuff. I mean, uh, the Live project, which is a three apartment building project, right nestled in next to the Act Arena on uh, the old McPherson property, that has started. So that will see uh, equipment and trucks, et cetera, moving uh, to get into that. And uh, adjacent to that, immediately, is our, our amazing Canada Games uh, track and soccer field project, which is brand new. And people can see how quickly they've been mobilizing there since the contractor's award less than two months ago. Everything is pretty well level now, so they will... Get that done by the fall. Let it sit over the winter before they actually do installation of surfaces next year. So we're really pleased with the way that project is going. And at the same time, there there has now just been the university as more of their own project, but leading towards Canada Games as well, is doing some work at the Acrena, which is going to see uh, some close down, uh, unfortunately, silly for a few months. So that actually will mean there'll be a little bit less traffic. But uh, there will be construction traffic for that as well over the next uh, probably year and a half, I would say. And that track and field complex should serve the, the region well. That's the first oh. in our area, is it not? Well, no, we, there is a, a nice track up at Pearl Gate in Mount Pearl, and uh, that's been there since uh, oh, over 30 years now. And uh, 88, actually, we had Newfoundland Games uh, up there that was built for that. There used to be a track right in the same spot at Canada Games, right there, but it wasn't a high quality, and that was taken out a number of years ago. So we're putting it back to where it was, uh, which is a good location in that it's close to where the young athletes are, the university, some of the high schools, etc. And uh, it, as well, there's a lot of pipe, a lot of population around. There will be a small amount of access, I think, for people to do a little bit of recreational walking. But let's be clear, these are competitive sports facilities. Uh, the track and field complex and the soccer field that, that Mon will now have. And that's a priority. Uh, there will be some limited access. But to have them in those locations, uh, it's exciting and uh, approximate to most of the young athletes. A little bit of wind up there, as there is in a lot of the city, trying to do some things to ameliorate that with some berming, et cetera. But uh, it's a great location otherwise. And three apartment buildings going in. Yeah. This is a, a private project that... Uh, they wanted to specifically do a target the student population, so they wanted to get as close to campus as possible. And uh, they are right off Lambs Lane, which is where the Acarina, the end of the Acarina is. And uh, so they were able to get that property off. Uh, the owners of the old, uh, no, the old McPherson house used to be there. Uh, and it's a nice old couple or three-acre area that uh, I think it's six or, six or eight-story buildings are going on there. So that'll provide... Uh, very good and needed housing in the area. For sure. Any other uh, uh, plans underway for um, you know other uh, private or public uh, housing developments? There are sure. There's lots on the go. I'm not really sure details, etc. But yeah, there's always uh, projects happening, and 
the city supports affordable housing in, in many ways, and generally it's responsible of provincial government with support from federal and municipal, and that is happening in a lot of places around the city. One thing I do, I do remind people uh, also in that Churchill Park area of the continued uh, water main lining work, uh, people may notice that along Carpathian and uh, a bunch of other roads in that area, and that will be continuing throughout the year as well. But that's important work. It's good technology where they get down into manholes and they can actually shoot lining along the existing water mains and along the streets and secure them and strengthen them for many, many decades to come. So we're lucky to be able to get it done that way rather than dig everything up in a very expensive way of doing work. So that will continue another few months along that area. So that's close to Elizabeth Avenue work as well. So it, it means a little bit of slow traffic and patience on people's behalf and uh, if they want to find other alternative routes. Councillor Sandy Hickman, I guess uh, patience will be the key. Yeah, it always is. It seems it seems like every year people say, oh, it's summer is construction season. Well, yeah, it is, no question. It's tough at times. Every city you go to in the world, you'll see that. It's no different, but uh, it'll mean for better infrastructure in the end. Councillor Sandy Hickman, appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care, Linda. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. So uh, that work imminent uh, in the Elizabeth Avenue area. So uh, for people who live in the metro region and uh, use that area, or for people who are visiting the area, um, be aware that you're going to encounter some slowdowns and uh, diversions and that sort of thing in that general area from roughly now until November. So be aware of that. Uh, We're going to take a short break when we come back we hope to hear from you just a few minutes left in the show if you have anything you want to raise or you want to comment on anything else that's been said here this morning now is your chance to give us a call and we're back and uh, believe it or not uh, a sinkhole has opened up in the westbound lane of the highway between Springdale and Badger traffic has been reduced to one lane in the area of Crooked Lake no information as of this time on the cause or how long it will take to do repairs uh, but that's something to watch for and be aware of uh, a sinkhole opened up in the westbound lane of the Trans-Canada Highway between Springdale and Badger please be aware of that we're going to go now to Fran, you're on the air. Hello, Fran. Yes, hi, Linda. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? I'm not too bad. Uh, Seeing as Sandy Hickman was just on a few minutes ago, I figured this is a good time to talk about the filthy, filthy, filthy downtown. My husband and I were uh, downtown yesterday, and uh, we decided, let's go down and have a bite to eat and sit outside. It's gorgeous out. And I tell you, the two of us walked up and down the pedestrian mall, and we decided, you know what? We're not eating down here. This place is filthy. How so? What did you see? What did you notice? Well, garbage all over the streets. The sidewalks are filthy. Um, And, of course, pigeons everywhere. And, obviously, they're going to be there because there's garbage all over the streets. And, obviously, they're there eating the garbage. And leaving excrement everywhere. The sidewalks desperately need to be pressure washed and done on an ongoing basis. You know, years ago, people had storefronts and they came out and cleaned in front of their, at their stores. Well, I tell you, we were there by Subway, that area next to Shamrock, 
that is filthy. It was embarrassing. And there was a chap going around, and I don't know his name, I think it's uh, who does the tours in downtown and ha- had a group of people with them talking about the, the significant areas of the downtown, of course. But my God, I was so embarrassed. It was so dirty. And there was just so many people there lying on the furniture that council has put there. It's lovely. It's it's perfect idea. But I tell you, uh, we had people there lying down, sleeping, and one chap just got up. He had a, a pink stuffed doll on his chest and a phone. Obviously, he's one of obviously our, our people who are there in the street. Now, please, don't get me wrong. I'm not this, this judgmental type person. These people need to be helped. I know that. But, I mean, I was walking past this chap who got up from lying on a picnic table, and he just decides right at my feet to clear out his sinuses. I said, oh, my Jesus, I'm so embarrassed. Pardon me for cursing. But he was just so deploring. It's really bad. So would would those types of experiences, seeing that kind of dirt and that sort of thing, uh, deter you from going back down there again? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we live in St. John's. We grew up in St. John's. We never saw this. You know, we're in our 70s. This is like off the charts dirty. And I mean, when you drive around, obviously businesses had to stack up their garbage, put it out. But we drive downtown every day. I mean, we could take people on tours. And we see the garbage stacked up outside these businesses, and it's not taken away immediately. So I don't know if they have private garbage collection or how they work it. I don't know. But that garbage is there for days. And you know that's got to be attracting stuff. Oh, my God, you know it is. And Long's Long's Hill, we drove up Long's Hill every single day. This is what we do. And we see garbage stacked up on Long's Hill. That's there. One time was there for a full seven days. Now, it's all in quasi, quasi in garbage containers. They're overflowing. But if they have private businesses that have to come and take away their garbage, well, it's not coming soon enough. It's just overflowing everywhere. It's embarrassing. This street, our streets are so dirty downtown. My husband and I, we don't, we took our shoes off before we got in our car. It was so bad. It was filthy. And I, I don't hear enough people complain about us. I mean, we grew up in St. John's. We're from St. John's. What the heck is going on? It's filthy. It's filthy. Fran, I'm very glad you you gave us a call this morning and give us uh, your uh, um, observations on that. I'd like to hear from others as well. Well, I don't know where everybody is. I don't know. I this is like so obvious. And yes, I know some time, and they talk about the pedestrian mall and all the rest. Of, well, you know, boy, that pedestrian mall needs a lot of work. And I'm embarrassed to talk about pedestrian mall. I want to talk about George Street. It's filthy. We don't even know that we can't. It's so dirty. And you know, when you look at our city hall itself, it's a dirty looking bunker. My God, can we get a painted or something? It only sets the example for everybody else in the downtown. It's filthy looking. It's embarrassing. I don't know. We pay a lot of taxes. I don't know where the heck is going, but I'm paying one hell of a pile of taxes. And so many spend it on cleaning up St. John's. It's deplorable. 
and you go in Mount Pearl or Paradise, my God, it's pristine. What the hell is going on with St. John's? Fran, I really appreciate your call this morning. Thank you very much. Thank you, Linda, for taking us. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And what are your observations? Give us a call. We're going to go now to Heather House. Uh, She is with the SPCA in St. John's. Hello, Heather. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Good. So you've got your spay and neuter assistance program about to get started. Yes, we're opening it up again now on uh, July the 25th at 5 o'clock in the evening. Um, at that time, we'll be, we will be receiving 150 new applications um, to do surgery dates from the end of August to December. Um, it's uh, available uh, only online or if you call in at that date and time because it fills pretty quickly. I would imagine. Uh, so what do you do? Dogs and cats, both? Both dogs and cats. Um, at least six months old to seven years old is the age requirements. Um, you can apply when your pet is five months old, but we wouldn't schedule their surgery till they're at least six months old. And what does this uh, spay and neuter assistance program or SNAP program, what does it do? Um, well, it helps those in financial need who can't afford the uh, regular vet fees for get, to get their pet spay and neutered. They want to have a happy and healthy pet, and they do want to get them spay and neutered, but sometimes, even though uh, families like to have pets in their household as part of their, as part of their family members, um, they just can't afford to get the, their pet spay and neutered, and that's where we come in and help with this uh, low-income spay and neuter program. Um, so if you are a single-income household um, around 25000 a year, um, you can definitely apply for this program to get your pet uh, fixed at a lower cost um, through our program. Um, Or if you are a double-income household, which many people, you know, are are fortunate to have as well, um, it would be under $40,000 to qualify for the program. And so um, do you see big uh, interest in these kinds of programs? We do, yes. I think in April, we opened it up on April the 19th uh, there a couple of months ago, and our program, we took 100 applications at that time, and our program actually online filled up within seven minutes. Oh, my goodness. You talk so about a very high demand uh, here on the Avalon Peninsula to help those who uh, want to have their pets spay and neutered. And... Um, the cost. How how do you finance that? Is it through fundraising or? Um, well, the clients pay for their own surgeries. So we will coordinate with the vet clinic um, to have their pet spayed, but they would pay the fee to us to coordinate that through the vet clinic. Uh, female cat spay is $180, and a male cat neuter is $100. Um, dogs um, range usually male dogs uh, a neuter is 140 and female dogs go by weight starting at $220 up to 380 depending on how large the, the female is and that sounds you know to many people's ears like a lot of money but it is significantly less than what they would pay yes if they were doing it on their own yes and I mean like considering like I mean there's other you know household finances that you have to consider as well um, these are actually you know like this is a basic spay and neuter surgery with some pain medication um, there's it's just basically the procedure and some aftercare so, um, you know, it, it, you pay for, you know, the program itself, like just for the surgery. 
So who do you find uh, avails of that? Uh, seniors, um, single uh, income households? What are you looking at? Yeah, we're looking at people who, um, you know, definitely seniors who are living on a fixed income as well as those who are um, single income households, um, um, living assistants, uh, students. Um, we also have those who are in a little bit of a financial um, hardship there. We'll help those as well. Um, we also um, look at seasonal. I mean, some people still work seasonal. And uh, so come around throughout the year, their average income is decreased because of their time off work. So the application is available online as of tomorrow, not no. tomorrow, next week? Yes, it'll be the 25th of July, which is Tuesday at 5 o'clock p.m. It opens, um, and it's basically you just go to our website, which is spcastjohns.org, and you'll just click on our Programs tab and go to the Spay and Neuter Assistance Program. And if you read through the instructions on how to apply, um, at the bottom is the application. You just click on the link, and it's a Google form. You can just fill in the blanks and submit it. Fabulous. Uh, Heather House, really appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. Have a great afternoon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Heather's had the last word on Open Line this morning. Thanks, everyone, for your contributions. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be on News Talk this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Do tune in then. In the meantime, here's your news at noon with Jolene Grimes.